Hello, welcome to the Dear Writer podcast. I'm Sarah. And I'm Ashley. We're two aspiring collaborative authors sharing our writing journey with you. The ups, the downs, and everything in between. Whether you're just starting out or a more experienced writer, we hope that you'll find this podcast inspiring and thought-provoking. And here's the show. Welcome back, everyone, to Dear Writer. Today, we are recording episode 70, and it is another one of our author spotlight episodes. We have a very interesting author spotlight episode for you today. Do you want to explain what we're doing, Ashley? Sure. So I'm very excited about this episode because we're going to be revisiting some of our previous author spotlight guests and having a bit of a catch up as to what they've been doing um, over the past year since we spoke to them. Um, So we're going to be talking to Dan Saunders, M.H. Woods Court, Caitlin Legaspi and M.A. Savage. So it should be a really great episode and I'm really looking forward to hearing what everyone's been up to. And so with that said, uh, we will go straight into it and get to our first interviewee, Dan Saunders. So we're here today with Dan Saunders, the author of Spice Traders, and we're very excited to have Dan back on the show because for those of you who don't know, Dan was our inaugural author spotlight interview on this podcast, which is super exciting. So hi, Dan. Hi, Ashley. Hi, Sarah. Welcome back. And if anyone's interested in that episode that Ashley had just mentioned, it is episode 10. So you can go back and listen to that if you would like more about Dan. Um, But we'll get on straight into the interview. So last time we spoke to you, you were about to release Spice Traders, your debut novel. How did your book release go? It went well. I've sold a reasonable amount of copies and met some fantastic friends along the way. And because I've released my new book, I managed to make it free on Kindle last week and it had an uptick and people are still buying it, which is great. And I've been mentioning to my schools because obviously it's the age group that I'm targeting and they love it. And yesterday, one of the little girls that I was teaching, she'd bought the book last week and she came in with it and she was super excited, bouncing on her seat, wanting me to sign it for her. Oh, uh, yeah, it was oh great. Gosh, so cute. Yes, yes, it was. And she was so excited. She goes, I've got his book and he signed it for me. And I was, oh. yes, and I'm going to be hopping down the street going, she bought my book and she likes it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that's fantastic. So in some ways, I've got a ready-built audience. And obviously, when we go into this, if we're serious about it, like you guys are with with your When the Rain Falls, I'm going to give you a plug as well. Why not? Um, <laughs> Thank you. You're, you're welcome. I'm looking forward to picking that up. It's the long game, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yep. These results are not going to happen overnight. So that's the thing. So I've got the second one out there, but I've run into a few problems with that. Mm-hmm. so handy that you've like it's so good that you've got access to the age demographic that your book is targeted to and that you're able to go back to schools and everything as well because obviously before it was lockdowns and things right so it would have been difficult to be out there but I, so I assume now you're able to go back to the schools and everything so that must be good it is good actually yeah that was a a funny time because there was a period where I was allowed to go back to the schools, but it was for that one hour that I was to teach for. And it, you just felt like you were in some kind of biohazard area or something. I don't know. 
<laughs> it was very strange, you know. I just thought there's going to be guys coming round the corner with rifles and hazmat suits or something. <laughs> so it, it, it is really good to be back in that environment, and there's a lot more freedom now. So yeah, you're, you're dead right. And the irony of it is, is the fact that that book was written during that period of lockdown. Yeah. So to present it to a live audience is an extra bonus or gift, if you like, is something you didn't Mm -hmm. really plan for. And you don't know about that until you look at it retrospectively. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, I heard that you mentioned you've had some difficulties with your recent book coming out. So what are some of the challenges that you've faced or lessons that you've learned in releasing your new book? Or even Spice Traders? Yeah, sure. The problem that I've had at the moment is the fact that Amazon keeps sending me these these emails saying that I need to adjust the cover by 3.2 millimetres. I mean, come on, really. Oh, no. And so I go away. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I go away. I make those changes following day, 3.2 millimetres. And this has been going on for about four days. Oh, no. I had a saviour in the form of Emmy Savage. She came along and she said, look, I feel your pain get onto Amazon support and she said I was very surprised they're very very good and very helpful so I thought right well if this doesn't work that's my next port of call because basically what happened was there was a there was a typo on the back of the book for the blurb all it was is like Ali was spelt as in Ali Cat or Ali Way instead of right. A-L-I yeah right so I just wanted to change it to the correct spelling and then all of a sudden because I've ordered the proof copy and it had that one error on it, and I just wanted to change that. And then for all of a sudden, the book dimensions were completely wrong, and I thought, we've changed one word. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so petty, and I'm just thinking, I kept thinking, this book's jinxed or something. But it is a lot stronger than, than Spice Traders. Spice Traders is good, but, you know, I've got a bit more of an idea of what's going on. Um, I was going to ask if you had any advice for anyone who's attempting to self-publish something for the first time, since you've done two now, and it seems like you've had slightly different experiences with both of them. Yes, I would say make friends with people, find your social media platform of choice, and you'll be surprised who comes forward. Ashley, I can't thank you enough. I know I've thanked you already, but you are a complete saviour for my manuscript. <laughs> And since then, I've had an editor come on board as well, who's looking over the Spice Traders again as well. There isn't too much wrong with it at all, really. But she said, I'll have a look at it anyway. Yeah. So so make friends and you never know what kind of talents people have got. I've got another friend who's got a marketing background and she's in my close-knit circle of friends on Instagram. So, so make friends. Get as much advice as you can. Watch your YouTube videos. There's plenty of great YouTube videos out there by Jerry Jenkins. And Alexander Torre is another one. There's all sorts of people. Mark Dawson, self-publishing formula. Just get advice. There's lots of free advice out there. Just do your your homework because a lot of people don't do that and you still feel that they're kind of, We're all feeling our way around things, but the amount of authors I've spoke to who haven't got a a newsletter, they haven't got a mailing list, and that was 
that's the A1 priority and Joanna Penn as well. They all stress, get a mailing list, get people on that mailing list. And that's where the sales are. So Mm -hmm. if you're not getting your reviews, you need to get your mailing list up and they will trickle through. You're not necessarily going to get this hit all at once. You might, depending on how big your account is. I know people that they're going to hit the ground running when their book comes out. They're going to have loads of reviews and lots of people to promote it and all that kind of thing because because of the nature of their account. But not everybody's got that. So that's what I would say that you do and make sure your manuscript is as best as you can get it. You still might pick up typos. even when you, <laughs> Yeah, you, you still might pick them up even when you've ordered your proof copy. So try and go over your manuscript as much as you can as well. That's some great advice. I was thinking back to, you know, before, well, before we had our first interview with you, Dan, I was just thinking, I was like, I always kind of thought newsletters seemed so, like newsletters and blogs and and mailing lists seemed so old fashioned. Mm. I don't know, but they do seem to be like they work, which is just, it's just interesting to think about. Yeah. I mean, you could do it in terms of when you're promoting something on foot, like if I wanted to get some more guitar students, then that colourful leaflet through the letterbox still works. It's funny, isn't it? (laughs) It really is. Um, And you don't know how long somebody's going to hang on to that leaflet. And the same applies, I think, for newsletters. Yeah, it's just interesting. It is. So writing is a journey, as we all know. Um, Can you tell us about some of the highlights you've had since we last spoke? The reviews are good. I got a random review. They didn't even leave their name. They put a name on, uh, put the review on Amazon. Mm-hmm. I don't know who they were, and they they clearly enjoyed the book, and they gave me a five star review. And when you open that, you go into your Amazon, you're thinking, oh, there's nothing going to be there, and then all of a sudden there's a review there, <laughs> and it's a five star, and you're thinking, wow, and I don't even know who this person is. This is not somebody that I've befriended on Instagram or somewhere else. It's just some random person that's picked it up. And they've read it and they've enjoyed it. The other thing that's really good, I've been getting a few of these lately, is the royalty emails. They're always good. So (laughs) we like those, although it's not very much. But that's the beauty of having the second book because it's 20,000 words longer than Spice Trader. So obviously you can charge more and get more royalties for it. Yeah. And I totally agree with the, um, like, random people buying your book and feeling like, oh, Oh, you know, we've had a few people from like Germany, and I'm like, I don't wow. think we know anyone in Germany. So that's fantastic. <laughs> it's kind of like that's that's nice. I think the problem that I've got at the moment with the second book is the fact that it is the second book. It's a sequel. You know, everyone right. wants, everyone wants to devour the first book because, and they know you, and you're some kind of rock star that drives around in stretched limos or something. If only that were the case, but. Uh, <laughs> But the second one, because you definitely, definitely have to read Spice Traders first to be able yeah. to make head nor tail of it. So and I didn't want to do that. And I was interviewing for my show, Dan Fish, and he said, he's a fantasy author, and he said that you try to write them as standalone pieces, but it became abundantly clear that the second book 
you did need to read the first book first. And I went, yeah. And he went, you know where I'm going with this. I went, yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so that's a problem. I don't think it's sold anything at the moment, which is a bit, I got a bit down about that. But I think it's going to be a paid ad thing. I think that's what I've learned from this one, that the second book, you've got to work harder to get it. But it's annoying because it is a good story. Yeah, you only just released it, and it seems like you've had some issues with the release as well, though. So I think it's this understandable. Is, this is true, but there are there's been a few things going on personal life as well. So uh, right. it's coming to the end now. So we've managed to work through that, but uh, it was unpleasant. So oh, that's that's sad to hear. Mm. Hopefully, things look up. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. They they have turned a corner. I can say that much. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I'm glad. Yeah. So, what is next for you, Dan? You've mentioned a little bit about your new book that's come out. So, do you want to talk us through a little bit more about that? That's the the tournament of Tanur, right? Tournament of Tana. Yes, that's basically it. Picks up from where Spice Traders left off, literally two weeks after the events from Spice Traders. They decide to go on this peculiar tournament with a peculiar prize now i've added something into that ashley and that is the fact Ooh. that the, the king questions them this is a weird tournament i added that in why are you going for you can go but why are you going this is just odd so he questions yeah. that to make it tie together a better well, yes um but if you read Good spice idea. traders you realize that valentine is a bit odd so, because uh, uh, you don't really, you don't really get a proper feel of what kind of a person she is in Tana, because she's quite different without giving away right. too much. But the the Tina's still in there, but she's a bit different. So they go on this <laughs> this tournament, and then there's a quest, and I've I've managed to tie that together better as well. To oh give good, a, yeah, give yep. a reason for that. There's an interesting conversation between the Baron and Solistanu. That's all I can say, really. Okay. Um, so that which ties it together nicely. Um, so I'm I'm super pleased with with that. And again, your advice. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I I gave it what it needed, and Michelle looked at it as well, and she was like, "No, this is this is good." The bits that she saw, anyway. Awesome. So I was about to ask, where's that available? Amazon at the moment? Have you got it on any other platforms? Just Amazon at the moment. Okay. I thought that that would be easy, but uh, hmm. <laughs> I'm starting to wonder now. <laughs> well done on the release of another book. Um, so for everyone, that is Tournament of Tana. Yeah. So I think we have sort of ran to the end of this short interview. So I do want to thank you for coming back on to update us on how everything's been going and talk about your new book it's very exciting so thank you thank you for having me it's great it's always great to speak to you guys because you were the first oh, ones that welcomed me into the instagram community as well really so i owe you a lot for that because i thought if everyone's as nice as these guys then i know that this is going to be great so so oh, thank you for that well, oh no You're thank you welcome. for saying yeah thank you and for our next interviewee, we are going to be speaking to M.H. Woodscourt. Hey, everyone. Today we're here with M.H. Woodscourt, the author of The Wintervale Duology, The Sentinel Sears series, The Paradise series, and Crownless. We last spoke to Melissa back almost exactly 
a year ago today when I looked back. <laughs> um, we spoke to her February 2021. And if you want to check out her first episode, you can uh, take a look at episode 18. And, well, it seems like she's been very busy <laughs> since then. Welcome, Melissa. Yes, welcome back. Thank you. It's so good to be with you again, Ashley and Sarah. <laughs> Thanks for having me back. <laughs> You're so welcome. So last time we spoke to you, uh, you had just released the Wintervale duology and we're about to release Crownless, a standalone novel. And it looks like you've released a number of books since then too. So how did your book releases go? You know, they, they actually went really super well. Um, with Crownless, it did hit number one new release on, I think, two categories for Amazon. So that was really super exciting. We were um, so excited for you. <laughs> putting yeah. that out there. <laughs> we're like, yes. It was like it was very surreal. I had to take snapshots of like the screen so I could, you know, believe it later. <laughs> like, yeah. What this happens, huh? So that was super exciting. Um, and uh, then I've released two books since then. I, I released um, the first book in the Record of the Sentinel Seer series, uh, Prince of the Fallen, in October, and. Uh, that one's a little bit more niche, so I didn't expect it to take off quite so so fast as uh, Crownless did, and but it did better than I expected, so that was really cool. And then I just released the second book in that series, uh, Rule of the Night, in January. So and uh, yeah, so that's it's been going really well. I'm excited to release a longer series, and. Uh, it's just been kind of just fun to go from the standalone to this series and the differences thereof and, and the different audiences as a result. So it's been pretty fun to to find out more about as I've gone along. So, yeah, that's uh, that's the highlights, I guess, of those releases. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask a quick question before when you were on the show, you were saying, was it Crownless that was YA? It is, yeah. Is that right? Is your new series, Sentinel Sears, is that also YA or is that adult fiction? Um, I would label it more of a new adult to adult um, okay. category simply just because the content, well, I still tend to veer toward clean content. The violence level and the ages and everything are just kind of up a little higher than the other ones. And so I, yeah, dealing more with adults and less teenagers. <laughs> Fair enough. My next question was going to be about some of the challenges that you faced or any of the lessons learned since we last spoke to you. Because, you know, writing's a journey and, you know, lots of ups and downs. Oh, yes. Okay. So that's a great question because, so with Crownless, I released it. It hit number one new release. I had a lot of momentum and then it just sputtered. And as I've evaluated why that's so, I've come to the two two conclusions here well the cover is absolutely gorgeous and I love my cover designer cover is amazing by the way <laughs> thank you mm -hmm. it breaks my heart because I actually need to recover it it is it's beautiful but it's actually misleading so one of the I guess the challenge for me was trying to tell you exactly what it was and I actually failed to do that and that's not on my cover designer at all that's that's on me because I didn't know what I wanted and uh, so it's actually kind of misled the wrong audience to read it just slightly. It's just, it's just right. a subgenre. And so for right. me, I, yeah. yeah, I like just, it's been in the last maybe month or so that I've just been going, you know, 
there's a problem here. And I mean, the second problem is, is something that I'm going to be rectifying. It's a lot, it's pretty easy to fix. Um, it's not really a, it's not even something to be fixed. It's just a, a consequence of a standalone book is, um, you don't have anything carrying it on. And so your audience just kind of reads it and then just it's done. And so for me, um, I've gotten such positive feedback from the people who have enjoyed it that they're just like, there's too much in this world. You need to keep going. And so I will be doing a sequel series for that. And I think that's going to actually um, help rebuild the momentum once I get it recovered so that it fits its subgenre a little better. Because right now it's saying more fairy tale. And well, it does deal with a storyteller who's telling tales of a fairy kingdom. It's not a fairy tale retelling. It's not a right. romance. There's no romance mm-hmm. in it. And so the, the rose is significant, but it's, it's misleading on the cover. And so I've, right. I've had to admit that I made a really amateur mistake. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I have a good plan about how to proceed and get a new cover and stuff like that. But it breaks my heart because I do love that cover. It's gorgeous. <laughs> it's so tough, like with, you know, designing covers and trying to work out how to express yourself to your cover designer so that you get something that's really representative. I mean, we kind of, we we didn't struggle. We had a fairly set idea like when we were going through that, but at the same time, we wanted to give the cover designer flexibility. We were like, you know, trying to work out how much like rain you give them and then how much, guidance and it, it gets tricky so yeah it does I was gonna ask if you gave your cover designer like specific instructions about what you wanted it to look like or was it sort of just what you know it was they came up with and you're like oh no it's cool um so I actually I had the vision in my head of a of a shattered crown wrapped in um foliage with a budding rose to signify because the okay. symbol of the kingdom is a rose it's the rose province is where the palace is it's the road right. palace all that stuff and so I was like I justified it in my head oh it's no, no, no it's gonna be fine it's gonna be fine and then when I started getting people emailing me so is this like a romance is there you know to be a romance later in this book or like you know am I just missing something <laughs> I was like oh shoot <laughs> no. <laughs> no, yeah and then a lot of people asking me you know so is this like what fairy tale retelling is this and I'm like it's not it's about the life of the storyteller so it's my bad entirely I just I just need to rebrand a little bit and I, <laughs> you know I'd rather that now on my standalone than a whole series that I've made yeah. definitely. <laughs> definitely so yeah my my designer she was like yeah that's a great idea but of course she didn't read the book so she didn't know that I was figuring mm-hmm. the wrong way <laughs> so <laughs> Well, it's hard, especially with symbols like that, because, you know, like it is something that represents something in your book, but because people have such a, you know, wide idea of what a rose in particular symbolizes, like some symbols mean more than others, right? So it becomes a challenge that way to incorporate like things within the book, but then also think about outside influences and what people translate those symbols as. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, and I, I learned do not put a flower on your fantasy cover if there is no romance. <laughs> Just don't do it. <laughs> Blanket rule. <laughs> Blanket rule. <laughs> so for anybody who has that question, you know, like, yeah, just don't, don't do it. 
<laughs> learn from my mistake. <laughs> it's good to know. Mm-hmm. I think. Uh, yeah, I mean, as I've been trying to like rework how to do this cover and, and really emphasize exactly the heart of the story. I, you know, I've also been doing a lot of browsing on Amazon and different books stores, just going, what style, what visuals, what things are going to work, what did, what represents my subgenre here? Because even though it's YA, it is a little bit unique. It's a bit niche in that it's YA high fantasy with zero romance, and that's mm-hmm. so. It was kind of interesting to shop for that cover. Of- <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, so it's been fun. It's been fun owning my mistake. <laughs> I imagine, like, I guess that's one of the things with YA is that there is kind of like this expectation that there'll be some sort of romance. It's kind of built into the genre almost, but you know, there's no reason why you can't go outside that. It's just that right. it's. <laughs> And it means, like, I I know because I was looking for, like, pre-made covers before we decided to get a custom one done. And you look at YA covers and they've all got, like, romance or, like, (laughs) there's, like, very little out there for something that's not really a romantic story. Exactly. I know. (laughs) I'm like, oh, no. Yeah, I keep looking at pre-mades and I'm just like, I'm going to have to go custom with this because it really, I, I do kind of bend outside of the rules of YA a lot. I mean, in my Wintervale duology, there's a romance, but it's definitely not front and center. Even though it's the main guy and the main girl, it's just not the highlight of the story. But I I think the covers speak for themselves in that one. I just, I didn't follow my intuition the second time around. That's the dumbest part about the whole thing. I'm just like, <laughs> you knew better. You just got married to this idea and you wouldn't let it go. It's time to get <laughs> you have to divorce it it's fine (laughs) (laughs) it'll be really interesting to see how your audience changes moving ahead with a different cover because I mean we've found for ours we've interestingly had several male readers which is you know it's really good it's just that you you don't get like a high amount of male readers in a lot of genres really but so that kind of surprised us, which I'm happy about because it means we're like representing more across the spectrum. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were like, oh, okay. Because I, totally I actually, um, with, with my winter bail, it, it was, I, I, I'd say it's like a 50 50 split. I get really an equal good response from the male and the female audiences. So I did myself a disservice with Crownless once again because it really says female audience. And I would say that this one is a little bit more male geared than even Wintervale. I mean, speaking generally, because obviously I'm writing what I like yeah. and I'm a girl and <laughs> I'm not yeah. in it for the romance. So yeah. for, you know, but, uh, <laughs> I just, I did, I really just, it was, it was dumb. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so our next question would be, what is coming up next for you? And what books do you have on the horizon that you're looking at publishing? Um, So I, with my Record of the Sentinel series, which is a science fantasy, which is even more niche, that's pretty fun. I have written all five books in the series with two of them released. So I'm just working on the rest of them through my beta readers, my alpha beta readers, and then my editor. And I'm kind of semi-rapidly releasing them through the year. So I will have 
hopefully all three of the ones that are not out, out by the end of the summer. And that's my goal. And uh, so that's my immediate next. And then I have two other series that I, that are vying for my attention right now that I'll be working on after that. So I just don't have enough hours in the day or I'd probably be releasing like <laughs> books <laughs> this year. But uh, alas, I, I, I don't have <laughs> access to a time machine or something. <laughs> so that totally understand that. <laughs> yes. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's my plan right now. Those, the next three books in that one. And then, um, I intended it to be the end of that, but, uh, the characters have other plans. So I'll probably be doing a sequel series for record of the Sentinel seer down the line, maybe in the next year or two as well. So there's a lot more to be said in that universe. I guess it's all the same universe. All my stories connect to each other, but, uh, anyway, that part, that story wants to be bigger and badder than the rest. So, <laughs> yep. so you said it'd be a companion series, not more books in the Sentinel series. Yeah, I think it will be, it will continue the adventure of some of the characters that are in this first five book series, but this one kind of concludes its major plot points where everything I'm leading up to with each book. And then that would actually expand it's really hard to explain because it's just this vague bubble. In my <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So it, it features a lot of even just the main characters, but I would consider it more of a sequel series on its own that could stand on its own as well. So okay. I'm going to probably chop it off here and then do a sequel. Yeah. If that makes sense. That makes <laughs> sense. No, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just vocalizing this now for like one of the first times ever because I got done writing the fifth book in December. My goal was to finish that series by the end of last year. And then I, I sat down and I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't think this is done. I guess I have <laughs> <laughs> What am I going to do with this? And so I, I've been thinking about it for the last month and I'm like, oh, okay, this is how it needs to work. <laughs> so I'm glad it yeah. makes sense out loud. <laughs> no, it makes sense. So uh, just for any listeners who may not have heard your first episode, where can people find you and your books? Yeah. My website is mhwoodscourt.com. That's m-h-w-o-o-d-s-c-o-u-r-t.com. Or uh, my books are all on Amazon. A lot of them are on Kindle Unlimited. So you can just look up MH Woodscourt. For social media, I am on Twitter and Instagram with the handle at Woodscourt Books. You can also find me on Facebook, and that's facebook.com slash MH Woodscourts. Um, I'm also on like Telegram, and I'm going to be getting on YouTube soon and all that stuff, but that's up in the air. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Well, thank you so much for um, joining us today. Um, we've really enjoyed our chat as usual with you. It's always fun. Thank you so much for having me. I love being here chatting with you. It's a highlight. Thank you so much. And for our next interviewee, we are going to have Caitlin Legaspi. So we're back today with Caitlin Legaspi, the author of the Dark Irregular Trilogy and also the Cardholder series. So hi, Caitlin. Hello. 
<laughs> Hi, Caitlin. Thanks for having me back. You're welcome. When Caitlin's not writing, she's, I assume, still studying business management at the University of Florida. Is that right? Yes, graduating yeah. graduating this April. <laughs> oh, that's exciting. I was about to say you must be nearly yeah. done with that. Mm-hmm. How exciting. April's not too far away either. So I guess you must Ooh. be wrapping up with exams and things. Yeah. Nice and busy. Yes, very busy. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm glad you were able to fit this quick little interview into your busy schedule. Of course, I wouldn't miss it. It was great talking (laughs) to you last time, so. (laughs) We're so glad to have you back. Um, I think we'll dive straight into the interview questions since we've got uh, more of a limited time this time. So last time we spoke to you, you just released Red Blood, the first book in your cardholder series. How did you find that your book release went for that? I think it went really well. It definitely went better than the previous two books I published for the Dark Irregular trilogy because I'd spent over a year, one, preparing it for publication and two, making social media posts and uh, social media campaigns for it to help promote it. And the book, it did a lot better than the trilogy combined in terms of the number of uh, reviews. It's got mm-hmm. 32 ratings on Goodreads right now. And the total of the Dark Irregular trilogy alone was maybe 20, but probably not even. But yeah, a lot of positive feedback. People, just overall, people love the characters. They love the story. Uh, people especially love this one character named Demille. He's such a charmer, I guess. <laughs> but um, yeah, girls, they just fawn over him. <laughs> like, I'm just really surprised at how much they love him. But yeah, it's been really great seeing that. It's quite amusing, I think, like seeing what characters turn out to be the favorites. It's not always who you expect. Um, yes. I think feel like Ashley <laughs> and I have found that with our books as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. Was um, Amil the one whose artwork you showed us last time that you were getting your designer person to draw? Maybe. I don't. Did he ha- was he wearing a red plaid shirt? I believe or a plaid so. Yeah. Shirt in general. I believe that so. might have been him. Then <laughs> yeah, that might have been him. Yeah. <laughs> So you said that you had done quite a lot of promotion for this book beforehand. And I assume that, is that what you attribute to helping like pay off in um, how well it did? Oh, for sure. I think so. Because what I did for um, this book that I didn't do for the trilogy outside of, you know, getting outside help to edit and beta readers as well, I gave myself a lot more time to help get it out there as for like the Mm -hmm. other books there are maybe a month or two maybe three to get it out there but for this one I had at least I believe maybe five months when I put like first put out the post I was like hey I have this new book coming out next year um but (laughs) yeah and I just put so much more thought into it and I contacted book reviewers this time which I hadn't done before I had ARC readers and readers who would read it after it came out 
as per their policy. But yeah, that was also something I hadn't done for the trilogy at all. So I think that really helped as well. I'm taking note of these things. Like, uh, <laughs> yep. <laughs> so what are some of the challenges that you've faced or the lessons that you've learned? I think part of the challenge is getting people to stay interested because it's a six book series <laughs> and I'm planning on releasing basically what is one book every, um, what is it, 15-ish months. But yeah, it's getting to people, getting people to stay interested and also experiencing just more cases of people not preferring or liking what I write because uh, I had a pretty good number of uh, readers, of reviewers who said, yeah, uh, I will review your book. And about three or four of them didn't finish it and contacted me saying they didn't finish it because it wasn't their preference. And it was just more of like hammering that lesson that no, not everyone's going to like what you read, what you write. <laughs> yeah. There was definitely more of that. Yeah, those were definitely the main ones. Also time management. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> keep, keeping up with reviewing books, writing, and um, maintaining a social media page is always a tough job. So Yes. Yeah. And I think you do a great job of it on social media, especially because often like you know we'll get tagged and stuff and they'll be like oh I just I really don't have time or you know (laughs) (laughs) we need to up our game I think when it comes to that and I I think you I I feel like the way that you manage your time is like a goal for me I'm like you're so organized so I really (laughs) admire that about you I love that. I love how that's how people view me because I don't see it <laughs> myself. Oh my I just remember last time you telling me about like your spreadsheets that you had to organize your time, yeah. and I was like, "Oh, I really need to do that." I at least have <laughs> yeah. a diary now, which I didn't have for like ever in my whole life. So I kind of use it a little bit. So I don't know if it's working as it should, but um. In it's transition. Something. <laughs> something. It is something. Um, I wanted to ask if you had any tips for anyone who has also had some experiences, you know, dealing with some, you know, not necessarily bad reviews, but people, you know, not finishing it and, you know, sort of realizing that not everyone likes, might, will like what you write. If you have any tips for dealing with that. I think it's also depending on the individual it can be a mm-hmm. really tough pill to swallow. Like you hear it and then you're, and then you think, okay, yeah, this will happen. And then it actually happens. And then you start questioning every single decision you've made <laughs> uh, when it comes <laughs> yes. to writing. Um, it's like you start down and it's like, are the people that have actually liked my book, are they lying to me? Are, it's, <laughs> are they just being nice um, when they actually have genuinely enjoyed reading your book? It's, I think also, um, determining which of the feedback that could be negative is constructive and which is actually a personal attack <laughs> and, and <laughs> poorly um, delivered to you. Because a lot of the, all of the people who didn't finish my book were very polite about it and told me it wasn't their preference. Um, so that was really reassuring. <laughs> They're all very professional and very nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just something that comes with 
uh, writing and putting your stuff out there. So it's like not everyone's gonna like you. So not everyone's gonna like your writing. <laughs> so it's just one <laughs> yeah. of those things. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good way to look at it. I agree. So we've talked a little bit about some of the challenges that you faced. What about some of the highlights? What are some of the good things that have happened since we last spoke? Oh my god! Um, highlights. Hopefully, that's just... there's so many. <laughs> I'm just really happy about how much people love Emil. <laughs> like, I, I just find it so funny. And because um, I knew people were going to like him. I just didn't think people were going to like him as much. It's funny because like when I ask people, oh, who's your favorite character? Some people say Neela, who is the main character, but others would say Emil, and still others would say Jason, who's her older brother who barely gets any, quote, screen time in the book, but he's just a positive, sweet character that people just love. Like when I, when it was in the beta reading stage, pretty much all of the beta readers, their favorite character was Jason. And I'm like, okay, this, I just wasn't <laughs> expecting that, but he was like, they were all under that category. It's like, if you hurt him, we will hurt you back. <laughs> sort of feel. They were very protective of them. But That's yeah. funny. It's like, if anything happens to this character, I had someone tell me, she's a friend of mine on Instagram, fellow indie author. She's like, if anything happens to Jason, we're not going to be friends anymore. Sort of feel. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, it's just really awesome seeing readers being, I guess, protective and so into my characters. Yeah. yeah, it's just so much fun, <laughs> and also seeing um, their reactions when they are actually reading the book, if they do decide to do that. Because I have had a couple. It's just so much fun seeing people's reactions and being like, "They huh, haven't seen anything yet." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I think that that is a really cool highlight that you kind of don't expect in some ways. Like you know, you think about you know reviews and you think about like all the things that you know you you hope to achieve and all of that but then just the actual hearing people enjoy your book and like really get into the characters and stuff like that's something that I feel like a lot of people forget in all the sort of minutiae of just releasing the book and then it's like oh yeah this is why I do this because <laughs> yeah. I love you know hearing what people think of it and yeah it's good fun and, and it also lets me know that i am pulling their brain kind of away from their quote job of reviewing my book because i have read yeah. books that i say yes i'll review it and then some of them i'll just um i'll be enjoying it somewhat but then on my head it's like i'm doing this for a person so i can review it if i read a book and that thought of I'm doing this because I'm going to review it goes away, then it's a really good book in my in my mind. And yeah. those reactions kind of let me know that I've pulled their brains away from I'm doing this because I'm reviewing this book. <laughs> so. <laughs> so what's what's coming up next for Caitlin? Um, do you have any new projects on the horizon? Any books that are coming out soon that you want to share with us? Not anytime soon. Um, 
Actually, my boyfriend and I will be starting the editing process for book three next week, actually. Wow, that was fast. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we'll be starting editing for book three next week, and that is scheduled to actually end in November. And I actually just got the um, author copy proof for Two More Lives, the sequel. Um, That's exciting. Oh my gosh, I totally, I totally... I totally skipped over that. Yeah, Two More Lives is releasing in March. March 25th. <laughs> I was like, wait a second. Hold on. Yes, I did. It's in two months. That's hilarious. Because like, <laughs> that's just been on my mind forever now. So so I kind of, I think my brain automatically assumed that you already knew. Um, and I already said it. Um, But yeah, Two More Lives is coming out on the 25th. And I received the author copy proof of it uh, two days ago. And I love it so much. The art looks really good on the cover and I'm just really happy with how it came out. And I'm happy to say that I don't have to make any adjustments to the internal formatting. So <laughs> nice. I don't, I, don't, what a win. I don't have to redo that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, nice. but after, after that comes out next year will be book three and that will be starting editing in February. It's gonna be a long journey ahead. <laughs> Do you have a little a little blurb or anything you want to tell us about two lives? Two more lives. Two more lives. Oh sorry. Oh my gosh. So here is the back cover blurb. I had um I think I had twenty three drafts for this blurb. <laughs> They're challenging to write. <laughs> they are really challenging. I'm really glad that oh, Ashley my. sorted out ours because. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not good at it. I, right? I, I've gotten better. I'm just not great. Anyways, so here's the back cover blurb for Two More Lives. The second set of battles of the cardholder tournament has commenced. After months of rigorous training under platinum card user Roshan Cordis, Mila Blides begins the remaining half of the solo rounds, determined to succeed and become cardholder of the Queen of Hearts domain. Though focus is critical in her battles, another set of burdens consumes her mind. During the day, Mila searches for her connection to the leader of the rogue organization and the reason behind the death of her father. At night, her dreams are overtaken by darkness and distress, with one filled with destruction and death. Despite any brief moment of happiness that blesses Mila, nothing is enough to overcome the fears it plants within her, not after she wakes to a room of living shadows. Ooh. I was like, oh, it's very dramatic at the end. I like it. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Sounds I quite like exciting. I like trying to write. I like trying to write that one last line. The book. Yep. Yeah. I actually have had um, an ARC reader finish reading Two More Lives already. Um, <laughs> emotional damage. <laughs> emotional damage. <laughs> Yeah, she was mad, <laughs> very upset at what I did, <laughs> if that's any indication of what happens, so. <laughs> well, it's you good to, to get an emotional response. Yes. It is. It means that my scenes aren't flat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's very exciting. So that was Two More Lives. That's, that's one that's coming out in March, right? It's March 25th. So keep an eye out for that, everyone. And where will it be available um, when it does come out? So it'll be available on, there's a long list. Hold on. Um, it's already available on some platforms, but not all. 
the platforms that it has yet to be available on are Scribd and Amazon, but it is available on Apple Books, uh, Barnes and Noble, and Kobo. Awesome. (laughs) And if people want to find out more about you and any other projects that you're working on, is it just Instagram or do you... Right now, it's definitely through Instagram because um, the blog has just been sitting on the back burner since the semester started. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I have a new Instagram account. Right? I have a new Instagram account. I've kind of abandoned the old one and I've come in with a new one called author.caitlin, K-A-I-T-L-Y-N dot Legospi, L-E-G-A-S-P-I. Great. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the show again. We've enjoyed having you. It's always a laugh when we have you on and (laughs) look forward to seeing how everything does in the future. Well, thank you for having me on again. It was great talking with you two again. I kind of missed it. (laughs) (laughs) And good luck with two more lives coming out. Hopefully that goes well for you. Thank you. I'm also I'm hope I'm also hoping it goes well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. And lastly, we have Emma Savage here with us. Today we're here with Emma Savage, the author of The Genesis Chronicles. We last spoke to Emma back in March 2021 when she was planning the release of the third book in her series called The Mirror of Etek. If you want to check out her original uh, interview, you can go have a look at episode 22. So welcome back, Emma. Yes, welcome back. Thank you for having me back. I'm so happy to see you guys again. You're so welcome. So last time we spoke to you, you were working on the Mirror of Etik. When did the Mirror of Etik release and how did your book releases go? I did a whole uh, blog post on this on Substack (laughs) because like the day after the launch, um, I launched it on December 27th and uh, there are three things that went really well with the launch. I finally figured out how to do pre-orders on Amazon. Oh, good. So that was the first time I tried to do that was with Tetral Parallel, and I had really no clue what I was doing, um, and that did not work really well at all. And then I finally figured out how to do that uh, for this one. I figured out what I did wrong and then what I needed to do in order to make that work and, and the timing of it. You know, I didn't, I was trying to do it way too early with Tetral. Right. Um, and your edit, I did it like I set it up like three months beforehand so that I could work my marketing plan. Okay. Um, so my marketing plan, I figured out how to do a title reveal, the cover reveal, pre-order announcements, got that down really well. I, I learned a lot from the writing community, like observing what people are doing when they do these types of reveals to to keep people interested and, and how they time them and things like that um, to keep the energy up as far as leading into the, the launch date. I started a newsletter in January, 2020, and I really built up the subscription for that. So I, I used that really well. So um, being able to have that um, uh, list of subscribers to be able to, to email those special announcements to worked really, really well. So 
people have been telling me, yeah, you need to have a newsletter. You need to start with now, even if you haven't published yet, do a newsletter, you know, mm-hmm. you, you build your own um, contact list that way. And they were, they were right. Yeah. So that, that worked really well. So what didn't work well was me. Um, <laughs> number one, I will never launch a book in December ever again. That is a worst time of year for me to do a book launch. Yeah. I found out. We found that if challenging I, too. Hey, I'm going to do that. I, I want you to tell me, Emma, remember when you said that you're never going to launch a book in December again? Please tell me that. We will. I, I, <laughs> I should not do that. The reason why is I do NaNoWriMo every year. And right. That takes a lot of energy. Um, it's a different mindset for me. So drafting is very different from marketing and editing. Those are different parts of my brain that I'm using, I guess. So I've learned that drafting requires one set of skills and marketing and editing requires a totally different set of skills. I need to have a little break between that. So I need a little break between nano and whatever I'm launching. So December was a bad idea. (laughs) So my next book, I am going to try to do January of 2023. So we're going to see if that works better timing wise in what I'm doing. I'm thinking it's definitely going to be better, but because I made the decision of when, you know, that timing for launching, it kind of set up everything else that didn't go right. So getting art copies out, I wanted to have that out at least a month before launch. That didn't happen. I got it out like maybe two weeks before launch. Need to at least give people some time. And I think even two months is probably better from what I understand. I've been talking to people and they're like, yeah, two months you really should give people two months to, to give them time to be able to review and, and uh, get through the material and, and uh, write the reviews. So yeah, so pushing a launch back to like January, maybe even February, probably would work better in order to get the art copies out because people are busy around the holidays. I'm busy yep. around the holidays. So it's something to, to keep in mind for next time. Definitely. I also do sewing on the side. And I took on an extra project before launch. I don't know what I was thinking. (laughs) That was bad idea. So do not take on, you know, extra project right before you're launching a book. So really it was timing. When it all comes down to timing. So my timing was all off. But I learned from it and we're going to try again and and see if this works better for the next one. So it's definitely a process. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you, you do learn every time, like something new and start to streamline your process more. So I think that's good hints for other people out there. Yeah. Learn from me. Don't do that. Uh, that was not good. <laughs> Might work for you. I don't know. If you don't do nano, maybe that would work and you'd be fine. But for me, these were all part of a perfect store, but things that didn't go to plan. I had a really nice marketing plan. It just yeah, didn't work because I wasn't working. I wanted to quickly ask you a question about your newsletter. I wondered if you had any tips for anyone out there who was just starting out, you know, putting out a newsletter and trying to get subscribers onto that. Do you have any tips? Well, I use, I use MailChimp. It's a free newsletter. They have a free newsletter option. Um, Again, I can do something without having to pay 
extra at this point, it's a good thing for me at this point. Yeah. Um, MailChimp keeps things really organized. It gives you the numbers, like who's subscribing, where they're subscribing from. It gives you different options to send things out to people. I may want to upgrade that at some point, but right now it's working pretty well for me as is. And just really keep talking about it. That Having your own subscriber list is gold because mm-hmm. anytime you have an announcement, you have a, a group of people that want to see what you're sending them. Um, because they subscribe to what you're doing. And, um, you know, as long as you're not inundating them with with a bunch of spam, I think it works really well. So whenever I have an announcement, like I, I'm looking for beta readers in April. So I'll send out a special, you know, uh, newsletter or a special, mm, I can't think of the word right now, but a special thing where it's talking about, hey, I need some beta readers. Here's what I'm looking for. Here's the synopsis of the book. You know, this is what the timeline that I'm looking at. And that works really well. I get plenty of beta readers that way. Um, And these are all people who are fans. Yeah. Cool. So you've spoken a little bit about the challenges that came with releasing your, your book. What were some of the highlights that you've sort of had since we last spoke? I mean, despite all the issues, launching the book was it was pretty cool. It's nice holding another book baby in your hands. You know, you worked really hard on it. And um, so that nice. was like three years, three years worth of, of uh, you know, from concept to completion. So three years of work and you have it in your hands. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Let's see what else. I finished drafting Beneath the Copper Sky. That's my debut sci-fi novel. Oh, cool. So that was awesome. It was something that I hadn't tried before. I'm a huge fan of sci-fi, but I've never written sci-fi. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so I wrote it and I just really fell in love with the main character and um, all the things that went into this book. And uh, so I'm really excited for that one to come out next year. I wrote a short story that got put into a anthology in October called The Oblation of Shadows Bane. So it's a villain origin story for King Katadin. So that turned out pretty cool. I started drafting the fourth and final installment of the fantasy series during NaNoWriMo, and I got 50,000 words done on that one. That's so a that fair amount in a month. <laughs> yeah, it's a good chunk. I'm like a huge fan of NaNo because, yeah, it does get me to produce. Um, I've always I try and then I never make it very far on nano so I sort of gave nano up I think I'm more of a slow and steady but But any progress you make during nano is is a win because anytime you end up with more words than what you started with that's a win even if you don't get to 50,000 this is true yep every word is a word closer to the end yes Exactly. exactly But yeah, for a long time, I resisted NaNoWriMo and then I, I tried it in 2019 and, and yeah, I'm not going to draft anything any differently from now on. It's, it's just been really, really productive for me to be able to focus on the drafting of novels like three months out of the year. And then the rest of the time I'm focusing on editing and marketing. It's a really cool way of structuring like how you do it. I mean, Ashley and I, I guess we do it like less formally. We're like, you know, we'll do finish a draft hopefully by this point and then you know we'll go on to editing at this point whatever but to have like a set time okay this is my draft time this is my edit time 
this is like marketing time. I think that would work quite well. Yeah, it'd give you a lot of variety, which often, you know, when you're drafting yeah. and you just draft for like over a year and you're like, wow, this is odd. I really could do some editing right now. <laughs> right. That's why I like breaking it up too. I- I'm a pantser when it comes to writing. So I think having the structure is, is helpful to me. So yeah. even though I don't do a structured outline on my novels or anything that I write, the fact that I'm structuring my time so that when I do sit in front of the computer, I'm as productive as possible. So yeah, I'm a pantser in that way, but not when it comes to being productive. A planned pantser. (laughs) I like that. I think that's actually a really good tip for pantsers out there to plan your time, but then, you know, let the writing flow. Go wild with the writing. Go for it. <laughs> Whatever. But you know, make sure you're you're making sure that you're giving the time that you you need in order to to do that. So I really like that that term. Can we make that a thing? Planned pantser. Yeah. <laughs> pantser. Yeah, there you go. So what's next for you? Are there any new projects on the horizon? Well, right now I'm focusing a lot on Beneath the Copper Sky, really getting the editing down. I really like that title, by the way. Let me just put it out there. Such a good title. I finally, it took a long time to get to that title. I really had to work hard for that title. I have the title for the next book, but I'm not telling anybody that one yet. But I love that one too. I'm like, oh, this is going to be so cool. They're going to love it. But the entire series is going to be called Nightshine. So yeah, Beneath the Copper Sky will be the first installment of that. I know it's a planned four book series. I have no idea what the books are going to be like. I, I, like I said, I'm a pantser. I don't know <laughs> what's going to happen. But it, it's gonna, it seems to be like that's a good rhythm for me is to have four books. And uh, it'll have multi- different main characters for each one. So Okay, um, that's yeah. cool. And is that the one you're planning to release at the start of next year? Yeah, yeah, in January 2023. So Very exciting. Um, yeah, I am too. I really, really connect with this main character. She's on the, on the spectrum for sure. <laughs> and she's dealing with, uh, with a death at the beginning of the book. And so as she delves deeper into the death of her father, she uncovers more and more things that are wrong the story that she was told at the beginning is not what the what is the actual uh truth and so that starts this whole uncovering of this mystery of what's actually happening happening on titan so sounds very exciting um i am aware that we're running a bit low on time um but before we round this up where can people find you and your books? Well, I spend most of my time on Instagram. So you can find me at, at, at M-A-E-M-E dot Savage. That's where you'll see most of uh, my material and things that are coming out. And they can you can also find my uh, novels on Amazon.com. Uh, there is ebooks, paperback, and also on Kindle Unlimited. That is great. Um, Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. It's been a pleasure to have you back and we could speak for ages and ages and ages about all your (laughs) interesting (laughs) novels. So thank you. 
Thank you for having me. That brings us to the end of this author catch up episode. And I just like to thank all of the authors we've had on our show today for coming on and sharing with us um, a little bit about what they've been up to for the past year. Okay, so if you would like to be on an author spotlight episode, then you can apply by going to lindersoncreations.com and hovering your mouse over the podcast tab in the main menu where you'll find a drop-down menu that will lead you to be featured on Dear Writer. And next time on Dear Writer, it's another one of our Talking Shop episodes where we have a chat about the books we're reading for fun and also about the resources we're using to better uh, our writing. And if you'd like to know any more about us or any of our writing projects, you can visit us on lindersoncreations.com or get in contact with us on Facebook or Instagram under the handle Lindison Creations. If you enjoy the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or subscribe on your podcatcher of choice. Tell your friends about us and we'll be back next week. Happy writing, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>